Um, so hi guys, thanks for tuning into this video. Um, I've got another physio on for, for you guys. Um, he's treated me personally, he's treated my brother personally. He's got the deepest voice in physiotherapy. Um, he's, a, he's a good guy, he's really helped us out and uh, hopefully he's gonna share a lot with you guys, rugby related kind of, that you guys can take a lot of help from. And it is Nick Carrasco. How Hello. you doing? You doing all right? Very well, thank you. How are you? Good to talk to you again. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. It's been a while. Um, yeah, Nick treated me, people know me, my knees are absolutely frigged from rugby. I've had four surgeries and they've obviously not fully worked properly. Nick might argue that my physiotherapy wasn't, I didn't, I didn't keep at it, but um, we'll see how we get onto it. Um, but yeah, just got a few questions that I wanted to run through Nick and see what his thoughts are uh, on different injuries, different ways to get around injuries, how often you should see a physio, stuff like that. Um, but first of all, do you want to tell, tell us kind of how you got started into it? Uh, maybe where you first started your, your experience in rugby or anything like that? Uh, yeah, so uh, obviously I've been, I've been a physio for kind of probably 20, 22 years now. Um, and my main involvement in sports was football, um, uh, mainly at West Ham. So I spent 10 years there. Um, so from then on, I started uh, working privately and I had some clients from uh, local rugby clubs um, in uh, amateur level, like Campion Old Boys, uh, Brentwood Club, and um, uh, obviously yourself, some people from Middle Manor, that kind of level. Um, uh, so then when I left West Ham, that kind of escalated to um, see, be, be a lot more exposed into rugby and uh, uh, I've been doing some consultancy work with, with premiership clubs and I've seen rugby players from Lions level to local Sunday, you know, uh, local Sunday level. So fairly extensive over the years. Wicked. And with that, with, with consultancy work, is that like... Um, a player would come to you, or you might jump into the to the club, or you do a one-off, or like a or a recap. Like, how does it work with that? Or is it always different? Yeah, it's, it's a bit of everything, really. So the first kind of consultancy was I was invited into the club to see uh, a youth team player, uh, which I did with their physio team. And then they had the first team player with the same problem, so I ended up going back to see them. Then that particular player came. to see me because of location so we end up doing a few weeks or three having in kind of my clinic um, so it's been other times i've been back to the same place for like a one-off um I've, I've been going in to do some kitchen sessions from from time to time so it's, it's a big variety really a few different ways and is there a difference in things you see from the club level guys like the weekend players to the professionals or is it all the same kind of same kind of problem um, so what you tend to see in the uh, elite level is more, um, so you, you see more uh, less less contact injuries from, from my point of view anyway, as, as an outsider going in. Uh, so it tends to be, for instance, like a long-term back problem that gets to a certain level that you can probably play to a reasonable standard, but it doesn't resolve. Um, what is um, like a, what a, an ongoing hamstring problem or a recurrent calf? injury you know so it tends to be more muscular things whereas in in the the lower the kind of the club level you tend to see more impact injuries like um, a breaking arm or snapping tendon like, or yeah broken arm dislocated shoulder uh, you know bad tackle damaged knee ligaments uh, you know i've been there uh, wrong footing and <laughs> yeah 
Oh, I've lost you a bit. Sprays, all sorts of kind of different things. Cool. Um, and then, so it's weird that obviously the players are bigger, stronger, faster at the elite level, and obviously crashing into each other a lot harder. Yet you saw less impact injuries like that. <clears throat> yeah, the, my, my theory with that is that obviously if you do something regularly, so if you crash each other in training every day, your body builds a resilience to it to build strength uh, against that. Uh, so what is obviously in the lower level, if you do it once a week, your timing is slightly off and your power is slightly off. And your condition is slightly off. So and then it tends to happen both ways. You get more contact injuries, again, in my experience, at the lower levels. Ah, I get yeah. So even though they're bigger and stronger, maybe their techniques are better at tackling and landing and stuff like that. And the more time yep. in the sport. If you train every day, you know, that contact, your body gets used to that contact, so you develop that resilience and strength against them. Uh-huh. Cool, I get you. And you said before, some of the pro players dealing with kind of ongoing injuries like bad back or hamstrings. Uh, I was going to ask a question about kind of slip disc stuff. Is Have you ever experienced that or or is that common in, in, in any part of the game or like uh, next? And yeah. yeah, so the, the slip discs are extremely common. Um, and what we know now, as opposed to what we knew 10, 15 years ago, they're not, they're not really as influential. So the slip discs are something, not really, no. So the disc slips are something you see in the vast majority of the population without any back or neck pain. They're very, very common. Uh, it's a bit like, you know, growing old, it's just, you know, deterioration of the days. They don't cause pain most of the times. It's only a very, very small they percentage. They don't, no. Okay. It's only a very, very small percentage that cause pain. Um, and uh, they do tend to heal very well. What we used to believe before that if you had like a slip disc, that's it. Uh, we know now that over time, uh, not a lot of time, kind of two or three months, they shrink and they close down and they, they you know, they heal very well. So um, I've heard that you can make it kind of just slip back in, can't it? The 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 the, the pressure pad yeah. or whatever it's called. Yeah, that's a, it's a bit. I mean, the actual term "slip" is a bit of a misconception because it doesn't okay. actually. It's not like something that's slides in and out of joint. It's something that. Hey, this is why uh, I'm you asking know, you, and I don't know myself. Yeah, yeah. So it's a bit of a misconception, really. Uh, you know, we can probably sit here and talk for hours about this, but. Um, All right. What we tend to see more, so when people have, uh, you know, ongoing back problems, is uh, they adapt a certain way of moving or training, or they could adapt uh, their mobility pattern um, because of an injury or because of like overtraining or overuse or, or, or whatever. And then that pattern develops into a more serious problem the longer it goes on. Mm -hmm. So for instance, if somebody hyperextends the back because they have an injury, uh, and they, they think that this is the best way to protect, but then they carry on training and playing with that. It puts more pressure in that particular area, mm -hmm. and that can cause long-term problems. Mm -hmm. So if someone gets, if someone has the sense that something's not right in a joint, rather than avoid it and work around it, they should kind of try and fix it ASAP because somewhere down the line, you're going to overcompensate and ping it even worse or something. Is that what you're saying? That's it, yeah. That's it. That's, that's... Um, and then, so... What what would someone do? Let's say they've got a little. Common. That's what we see most of the time. Okay. Say so someone's got a little niggle in their shoulder, uh, and you're right, they might be rolling their shoulder doing pressing or something like that. Would you tell them to uh, don't do any training in the gym or stop doing rugby or 
see a physio like yourself, or how do you how do you kind of advise them to go on? Uh, so obviously, if they, if they if they come to me, so my um, so I'm not one to kind of stop people training. I want them to train as much as they can, as much as possible. I remember. I remember. Don't worry. <laughs> Three days after ATL, you can be on leg press as long as it doesn't hurt. <laughs> That's stuck in my head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Not too much. <laughs> uh, so my priority is if I identify a, a, a movement pattern, let's say the shoulder. So if say the shoulder comes forward, my first priority would be to, to correct it. Uh, and if I, if they can correct it themselves, like with small kind of um, either exercises or just general postural advice. Uh, so it could be a case that maybe they reduce the weight of the weather lifting. Um, if you know contact is not an issue, I wouldn't stop them training. Uh, so it's just a case of targeting the source of the problem and then deal with that. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm very much in terms of keeping people active, doing what they want, uh, but obviously without putting them under any risk. Mm -hmm. I, I feel that's a big problem that a lot of people get with a certain physio because if they maybe go through NHS or someone and they get assigned to someone who isn't used to athletes this person has the same advice for a 65 year old and a 16 year old like that a lot of people get told rest and do nothing for two weeks and then like you said at the start of this conversation if you do nothing you get less used to the impact and maybe you're prone to something else so I think it's super important to get a physio or someone that's into rehab that played the sport or has dealt with actual athletes rather than just a physio who might rub you down a bit and give you some cream and say, I'll see you in two weeks. Yeah. And I think generally, like, the rest is no particularly effective way to treat most things. So, obviously, if you've got a broken bone or a torn muscle or a torn ligament, you need uh, a relative amount of rest, but not, not that much, really. It's all about getting conditioning and exercising back, you know, changing movement pattern, changing, you know, overloading systems and offloading things and that's really the way you should be going around there so uh, yeah so the rest is only relative to provocation so if rugby is provocative then you know maybe just back off rugby a bit but still exercise as much as possible that's that's my uh, philosophy mm -hmm. and you said someone might be able to correct their injury or that they've developed through exercises would you suggest someone do that start of their workout and then carry on with the normal workout, maybe changing the load a bit or a whole day to rehab or 10 minutes every morning. Like what do you think someone would do? And the guys watching this probably have full-time jobs so they can't really do an AM and PM whole workout. What would you, what would you suggest for that? Um, so it's, it's quite an individual thing. I mean, um, in, in, in my view is the, the, the main thing is to do it. So, and I always kind of run through by people what's, you know, what's your best plan in terms of doing what I'm asking you to do. So if, if somebody trains five days a week in, in the gym, then, you know, some correction exercise they can do as part of the warm-up. So that's it done for the day. Okay. And then obviously you modify the workout to the symptoms. Um, so you might just, you know, avoid certain exercise or do more of something or, or, or whatever. Uh, if somebody's not a gym person is not something they enjoy too much then obviously they have to do things at home um i mean I, you know especially in london i see an awful lot of office workers um and a lot of them they do stuff sitting on the desk uh, kind of postural corrections or, or or things like that so it's very much an individual thing it's just a case of the person to do what i'm asking them to do so whether they can fit it in the best way to get the best quality out of it mm -hmm. basically they've got a assess their lifestyle and 
no matter how they do it, like do it at some point during the day yeah. or the week, as long as it's done, yeah. doesn't matter when or how often or anything like that. Cool. Hello. I think I've lost you. Oh. Hello. Hello. Oh, again. Cool. I got you. Um, so that's talking about kind of rehabilitation methods. Someone's already got an issue. Uh, I guess you're a firm advocate of prehab at the same time and how I not really had any shoulder stuff. I'll do a lot of prehab in my warm ups to my like, upper body workouts. Do you think prehab should be done or is it because someone might have enough to focus on already? Should everyone do a, a bit on each joint or what's, what's your thoughts on that? Um, yes, I mean, I'll, I'll probably call that conditioning rather than prehab. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and I think, I think it's quite important, um, especially, again, if we step away from the elite level. Mm -hmm. um, the, the main problem to find in, in the lower level for people that play rugby is that, you know, they do a job which is, doesn't involve hitting each other. Does it? They, don't, they don't come to contact. They might be sitting on the desk. They might be working you know, in a bar, but, so they could be kind of more and less physical jobs, but they're not specific to the sports. Mm -hmm. So what I'm a big advocate of is do some conditioning work um, that is related to the sport. So, so just going to the gym and do, let's say, uh, you know, uh, chest and biceps, not particularly, it's, it's good for the chest and the biceps, but it doesn't prepare somebody to go and play rugby. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'll be uh, adjusting uh, sorry, I'll be adjusting my condition work to be more specific to, um, you know, kind of more dynamic stuff, a little bit of impact and, and you know, things like that. So then you prepare your body for what you're going to do at the weekend. Um, uh, there is very good evidence in literature um, that, um, you know, this kind of condition program is the work that work really well in the elite sports. Uh, you know, with the people that kind of follow them um, regularly, they tend to get less less uh, injuries. Cool. And then keeping oh, so keeping keeping the high impact stuff when you're in the gym rather than just general bodybuilding exercises are going to be obviously more relevant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, body, bodybuilding gets you bodybuilder. So you know, yeah, exactly. Um, bodybuilder doesn't necessarily make you the rugby player. So. I've got a lot of the guys that I talk to when I'm telling them about a program, they'll say, oh, I'll just follow this program from bodybuilding.com. I've got, I've, got, I've got to explain to them, like, that will get you big muscle working on its own, but it's not going to prep you for a rugby pitch. And, like, That's if it. you're doing enough volume of the big compounds, you're going to develop big muscle anyway. I think Morgan always bags on about, and Nick saying he can't do weights because he gets too big. So <laughs> some people have that problem too. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I actually had this conversation with a young lady just left here a few minutes ago, um, and she's running the marathon, and I said to you, I said, well, she needs, she has just got knee pain, and she has to do some leg exercises, and the first thing she said was like, oh, my muscles are going to get too big, I can't run. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. You can only, you can obviously, you know, better how you train the muscles to get big and all, you know, uh -huh. so it's just about conditioning your body to do your sports. Yeah, cool, perfect. Um, and then obviously everyone everyone has a couple of niggles. It's the end of the season now. I think there's a few weeks left the, the, the time I'm going to post this video. Um, say people carry niggles. How how bad should it have to be to actually not play a game? Like Obviously, you like people to play, play as much as they can. To what extent should someone go, you know what, I should probably sit out this 
Saturday? Like, how bad would the injury or joint have to be? Do you think? Um, again, it depends. It depends on the, the the problem. I mean, I always stop people from the only time I stop somebody from playing is if I feel they are unsafe to do it. Mm-hmm. If they're going to cause more harm. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we're talking like um, you know a muscle strain that is manageable and they've been playing it for a few weeks, you know, would I stop them with that? <laughs> Not necessarily. If somebody's got like a you know a knock and a dead leg, you know, that's a fairly man safe up. man up and crack on. Play. Uh, obviously, if somebody's you know spraying the ankle and like you know three four weeks before. And they've got a cup final, the foot is unstable, you know, they're not doing very well in the conditioning side of things, then I, 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 would, I, would, I wouldn't allow them to. So, um, I think, I mean, even at the lower level now, you know, you're talking about before about people being stronger, faster, fitter. I think that's trickled down to the lower level. So, people are stronger, faster, fitter, they're going to be, you know, the Sunday level. So, you know, it's not easy to go and play 60, 70% anymore. You have to be close to your peak. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. I'm, I, remember when, I remember when I was playing. If your head's not in the game, and if you're if you're only going at fifty, sixty percent, that's when you that's when you're going to get the knocks, and that's when you're going to hurt yourself. So, like, you've always got to try and go. Yeah. And I feel like, what what about? So, this just came to my head. What about if you've got a niggling injury that's like psychologically in the back of your head? Like, do you need? Is there any tricks that you know psychology wise to get you over it, or is it just about concentrating on other things? Or did you ever come into come into an experience of that yeah I mean, the, the psychology is quite an individual thing so in in my mind if it's in your head it's in your body okay so if it's an athlete feels they've got something wrong with them they've got something wrong with them mm-hmm. whether it's in your head or, or the, the muscle or the tendon it doesn't really matter oh, yeah, they, they matter, really. Yeah. so you have to you have to deal with it <coughs> um I think the research in sports psychology has been very, very effective with things like that. So you can be obviously, you know, get people to speak to, uh, you know, specialists and, and guide them through the process mm-hmm. to overcome these uh, issues or phobias. Uh, from from my point of view, like a great big exposure is, it's, you know, if somebody's scared to jump, you kind of get them into a safe environment, which is like a, you know, a gym environment. That you get, you trick them into jumping. If that makes sense, so you can probably get somebody on an electric press machine and get them to do some plyometric work there with like 10, 20 kilos of weight. It's just like a great exposure to convince somebody that uh, you know what they think is wrong is not wrong. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they, they might come in worrying about it, uh, and you've got to prove to them you're okay, and then hopefully their head's going to be a lot better. Yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes you just have to expose them into it. You have to trick them into that environment. You know, to do that movement or activity or i think with you we you know with your brother before we um you know he was worried obviously you dislocate your shoulders and uh, you know tackling was an issue for him so yeah. um you know he's just a shit tackler mate so <laughs> we, we we got to tackle each other on the the swiss ball and, and you know over time we built confidence in it it was something he wasn't particularly comfortable with and then it kind of built it up uh-huh so uh, yeah so it's like mate- little tricks Confidence might be a big thing for people coming back from an injury. I know when I came back from my one knee, not that I was worrying about it, but it was just very different. All the skills seemed very hard. Is it, again, something that you just need someone to just get in the game and get over it? It might take a few games. Um, yes, that's, that's, a, that's generally the way to do it. Um, again, it's, a, it's quite an individual thing. It depends what they're worried about. Um, 
some kind of tougher training sessions tend to help with that. Uh, you know, expose them in a few minutes here and there, or give them like some people like to start. You know, so if you if they go straight from the warm up into like play a half. Uh, It's a good way to do it. I just froze on me a sec again. Oh, cool, got you. Cool. cool, I got you again. Uh, okay, cool. Um, yeah, wicked. So uh, that's that's most of the things that I wanted to kind of run through. I think you've answered a lot of questions about typical injuries, what people can do, how to get around it, how to get that playing, stuff like that. Uh, is there any kind of overlooking advice you might be you might give to a local level player who's obviously dealing with a few injuries? Like any rules of thumb, if it hurts, go see a physio straight away, or try and do your own research or anything like that. Yeah, I mean I'm obviously biased, so I'll say come and see the physio straight away. I, and I think the quicker you see somebody, I think the easier you can deal with the problem. Uh -huh. You know, if it's like a minor, let's say you know weakness or imbalance or postural issue, you can deal with straight away. And generally, the quicker they see, the less sessions they need because you can tackle the problem head on. Uh, obviously, people are, are, you know, a lot of people know training and they probably go and try some stuff. Uh, but I always obviously suggest advice. But the other thing I'd, I'd, uh, I'd suggest is like, you know, long intervals in playing, it becomes a bigger problem. So if somebody plays for like, you know, the age of 16 until they're kind of 22, 23, and then pick you up again at 28 and go straight back into Yeah, again, you've lost that continuity. So that's yeah, something yeah. that, you know, if I was going to give somebody advice, just carry on doing things. You, you'd advise them not to do that, not to play at all? Yeah, 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 no, just to carry on. You know, just you want to kind of have that continuity. I'll just keep going. Oh, yeah, cool, yeah. Um, uh, cool. Oh, I was going to say something, but I forgot what it was. But obviously, like, consistent, like yourself, obviously, you've got the background of rugby, you know, you're training. You know, you can put a conditioning program uh, together before they start the sport or, let's say, off-season or whatever, just to make sure that they're, they're fit and healthy and ready for the, for the next season. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so let's say, I'll talk an example. Let's say someone gets injured on a Saturday, new injury, like a new joint, whatever. I've heard a few things about you should let a swelling go down or something, and you just said you should see a physio as soon as possible. Would it be like a... Right, Monday morning, I've got to get it done, or that week, or what would you recommend? Um, so generally, my advice is like, um, you know, I speak to people over the phone, and I, you know, they tell them what the problem is. So obviously, if there's like, a, you know, everybody knows a muscle tear. If there's a muscle tear, there's nobody seeing. There's no point seeing a physio two days later because they won't be able to do anything. They need the inflammation to let settle down. Um, so if you if you know what the problem is then obviously your, your physio will advise you accordingly. Um, but if somebody, let's say, went into a tackle and, you know, go up the following morning and they can't move their neck, then to be seen straight away is not, it's not a bad idea because obviously there's no physical trauma in there. It's just a case of manipulating and moving them out of there. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? So a physio would help them move it or...? Yeah, yeah. And get that in straight away? Yeah. Whereas a tear or a bone, you're pretty much fucked. <laughs> you just leave it. Yeah, yeah. So then, obviously, you need a, you know, if you tear a hamstring muscle, kind of sprinting, you know, you hear the pop, it's all bruised and swollen, you know, the physio's not going to be able to do anything for at least kind of four or five days. So oh. all I say to people at the time, just give them some advice over the phone, you know, the acute uh, care with ice compression, you know, uh, 
minimize the, the weight on it and all this kind of stuff. And then I see them when the time frame is appropriate. Mm-hmm. And do you think, do most videos do that? Like, would they advise them over the phone? Could, could, could someone, could an athlete ask for that? Or, or is it, that's your, your protocol, obviously? That's, that, that's what I do. I mean, whether everybody does or not, I don't know. Uh, obviously, in the private sector, you've got that direct access to the physio, whereas in, you know, if you go through the NHS, you obviously have to go through your GP and book an appointment, so it's, it's a longer right. process anyway. Ten years, and by then, you're already dead, so. <laughs> yeah, okay. but I mean, I don't see the point of taking my time and taking somebody else's time. If, if, I, if, I, if, if all I'm going to say to them is, yeah, you need to rest for five days, put some compression and ice on it, you know, I'd rather do it over the phone. Mm-hmm. Cool, perfect. Um, yeah, thanks. I think that's most of my questions answered. I hope you're going to help a lot of people watching it as well. Uh, if you guys heard at the start of the video, Nick's got a base in Brentwood and London, I think, as well. So do you want to tell the guys either how to get hold of you, either email number or, or your social media or anything like that, or where they could kind of book in if they wanted to? Uh, yeah, so I'm uh, uh, three clinics, uh, Virgin Active Clearview in Brentwood, uh, Virgin Active Barbican in the city, and Virgin Active Strand in the West End. Uh, you can contact me either through uh, phone, like uh, my mobile number is 0771-508-781, uh, or uh, by email, uh, which is nick underscore karaskas at hotmail.com. Um, I'm not even sure what my Instagram is. I think it's nick underscore karaskas. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll get up now, one sec. Maybe. <laughs> me and Nick uh, have uh, stayed in touch over years. What is it? Let me find it for everyone. Yeah, Nick underscore Karaskos, K-A-R-A-I-S-K-O-S. Um, yep. uh, cool, perfect. Well, thanks a lot, Nick. Thanks for your time. Uh, hopefully you'll stay in touch. And then uh, if people have any questions, or I'm sure they'll message you, or if there's comments on here, I'll let you know. And then uh, we'll just take it from there. But yeah, cheers, Nick. Thanks for that. Brilliant. Pleasure. Well, uh, speak soon. Cheers, Nick. Cheers.